Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, episode uh, nine in season two. The Thousand for Bergie with Maddie and Smitty brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and PHF news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rank and download the Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And Smitty has some info about a new partnership with ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, ESPN Plus uh, is going to have the Bruins on from time to time this season, and you can watch them by signing up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com, the Inside the Rink website. Not only do you get most of out-of-market hockey games, you get many other sports, including college basketball, which has recently started up, uh, a lot of great out-of-market hockey games as well you get to see all the stars from around the league so sign up at espn plus at inside the rink.com slash espn again that is espn plus by signing up at inside the rink.com slash espn and definitely promoted by smitty because he yeah i have it i love it i watch espn plus uh all the time is get to yep. watch some uh, some college basketball. Get to watch some out of market NHL. You catch the Bruins when they're on there, uh, mm-hmm. when they're not on Nesson. So uh, yeah, definitely definitely a worth a worthwhile uh, subscription service among all the subscription services that are out there. And uh, I think you can through this link you can actually s- sign up for that that package deal with. Disney and Hulu. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, you do that. Too. That's what I have. So, gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go full thing. ball of wax. Yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah the whole thing. You yeah, get the Hulu. It. You get the you get the Disney shows. Sure. And you get tons of sports. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Um, all right. Big week this week. Five games to go over. And uh, here's the weekend review. And on November seventeenth against Philadelphia, four to one win for Boston. Had a little bit of a slow start. Some issues managing the puck, but got better as the game went on. Thomas Nosek scored his second goal in two games at the time. DeBrusque scoring a slap pass from Pasta. Krejci gets the final two goals. First comes in a great effort by Zaka with a puck battle with Provorov. And the second on a great feed from Felino. Krejci, Felino, and Zaka all with multi-point games. Third period's been the best period for the Bees. They've been probably the best third period team in the league. Uh, it's becoming a theme with the Bruins pull away from teams in the third. Good win. And at the time, improved to 10-0 at home. Yeah, I thought it was a great effort. Uh, I thought Pavel Zaka was excellent in this game, uh, and it and it's proved on the score sheet. He's been playing really well like the last week or so. Seems to be kind of find his place on the team, starting to pile up some points. That was a great play to kind of reach around Provorov and poke the puck mm-hmm. into the slot for an it oncoming was. Krejci for mm-hmm. uh, for the goal there. So he's been playing really well. Felino also has been playing really well, has uh, almost, I think, uh, eclipsed his point total from last year already. I believe he had 13 points last year um, through the whole season, and I, I think he has 11 already this year. So yeah. uh, really making a difference on the in the you know bottom six for the Bruins, uh, and that was a great win against uh, you know a Flyers team that's uh, pretty desperate lately. 
They are, and I thought there was a little bit of a danger, danger because uh, Torts had said that they'd sucked, and uh, I didn't know how they would respond. You know, I thought they would respond playing tough, and they did, uh, but they just aren't that talented, uh, and the Bruins are were more talented. But I, I was a little nervous because of what Tortorella said and thought that Philly would come out, and they did, and the Bruins won. Uh, November 19th against Chicago. This was a bloodbath. This was the varsity <laughs> against the JV. 6-1 win. Bruins completely dominant. Chicago looked like an AHL team. Bruins tied the NHL record for home wins to start a season at 11. Patrice Bergeron with a golden assist and got to 999 at that point for career points. Charlie McAvoy with four assists. It's the first four-assist game for Bruins players since Matt Grizzlick did it on January 10th at Washington last year. Best offensive game of the year for the Bruins. Six goals and just tons of possession. Tons of possession, tons of scoring chances. I think their high yeah. danger scoring chances were like close to 20. It was oh, like gosh. some obscene amount where yeah. it was just high danger chance after high danger. I mean, they looked like the Russian Red Army playing they against, did. you know, against n- never mind college USA kids, high school USA kids. Yeah. I mean, they were just skating circles around them. Uh, if the Chicago goaltender didn't have a really good game, it could have easily been, you know, 10 for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah, a dominant, absolutely. dominant effort by them in that one. Yeah. And, you know, the Blackhawks, you know, just a, just a, Tough year because they you kind of know Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are at the end. They trade Alex Debrinkit, which is still a head scratcher to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, complete rebuild looked like it. They signed uh, Steph, jo- Steph Jones for that huge long term oh, yeah. deal too. That Kill. doesn't make any sense, Killer. especially if yeah. you're going into a rebuild. You know, you 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 have Kane and Taves towards the end. You sign him to a long term deal, and you trade Debrinkit is the guy who you should have given the Jones money to. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense at all. So, uh, you know, Chicago kind of uh, coming back to earth a little bit here and and looks like they're going to be in for a rough patch for quite a while. And, and Jones is on IR too now. Yeah, he is. He's hurt. He's, yeah, yeah, he's hurt. So that, I mean, that's just, it's just a cluster. And it looked like it on the ice against Boston. Uh, November 21st at Tampa. Uh, a 5-3 to three win against uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa comes out fast shooting, uh, out shooting Boston 9 to nothing. And they get the lead early. First time the Bruins had trailed in three games. David Krejci, a slap shot goal, gets the Bruins even. You've said that Krejci has that great shot. He really he does. do it. He really does. <laughs> um, and from that point on, they were the better team. Felino and Coyle score. Marshan scores. And then uh, Patrice Bergeron picks up his 1,000th career point. Uh, the whole team comes on the ice to celebrate with him. A great moment. Absolutely. Uh, Pasternak scores to make it 5-1. A fan gives him the double birds right by the glass. Uh, <laughs> It was just terrific. Pasta stares him down and points to the scoreboard. Uh, Bruins have to hold on late. Of course, the Lightning at home are going to make a surge, and they did. They got a couple of gifts as well, one from the Bees, one from the refs, uh, and really good win on the road against the Tampa team. They won four in a row, and, of course, they've, they've had history with Tampa. Yeah, it was a really nice win on the road against a really good uh, Tampa team that had been playing well lately. You know, they started, Tampa started off really hot. It looked like the Bruins were in trouble. Uh, and then that Krejci goal kind of got them going and, and got them back into it to to leave the first period even. And then from that point on, they kind of, uh, they kind of took over and, and uh, you know, built a big lead. And then, you know, the Bruins kind of gifted them back into it uh, with a horrible exchange between Lindholm and Carlo kind of turning the puck over mm-hmm. to each other. And then, you know, it's in the back of the net. And then a terrible uh, penalty call that gives uh, Tampa the power play there. 
to get it to 5-3, but the game wasn't as close as the final score indicated, and, and the Bruins were actually a much better team for most of that. So a real good uh, road win against a tough opponent that was playing well. Yeah, and that was kind of a litmus test because people had said, well, they haven't you know, I haven't really played how, anybody how yet. Teams they've played, yeah. Yeah, they haven't played anybody, maybe a couple of good teams here or there, but on the road, this is a tough stretch. And they, you know, they passed the first test there. Uh, next game, November 23rd at Florida, 5-2 to two loss. Just too many penalties, undisciplined. Not all of them warranted, but it cost them. Florida gets three power play goals. A lot of them kind of ticky-tack calls, but that's going to happen on the road sometimes. Mm-hmm. Bruins gave up too many odd man rushes. They weren't sharp. You know, the ice didn't help. There were a lot of bouncing pucks in the Florida sun there. Yeah. Um, bound to have a night like this, really. I mean, and you hoped that with a tough stretch coming up that it wasn't the beginning of maybe a more of a slump. Right. But um, but it was a one-off uh, so far. Yeah, I can't really fault Swayman, who was in there, and uh, two tips, a give-and-go on the power play, and it was just kind of one of those games Bruins playing catch-up from the beginning. Yeah, it, they they just didn't seem to have it in this one, and and the penalties definitely cost them. You know, three power play goals really the difference in the game. Um, the Bruins, I think, scored both of their goals on the power play too. So you know, it was kind of a special teams kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't really generate much at all. Five on five, just seemed to be a little bit off the whole the whole game uh, against the Florida team that you know. The Bruins now, you know, with their record and, and their stature in the league, you know, being the top team in the league, every team is going to give you your best shot. So mm-hmm. what what is a rivalry game to begin with? You know, all the teams, especially at home, are going to be getting up for you now. You have to match yeah. that energy. Um, yeah. And in these two games, especially at the start, the Bruins didn't do it. They fought back in the Tampa game. But in this one, they couldn't really fight back. Uh, and, and it ended up costing them uh, with, an, with a loss at the end. Yeah, and then it was three in a row today, uh, November 25th against Carolina. Three games in a row with a kind of slow start. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was a great game. I mean, this was a playoff caliber type of game. Absolutely was. Good crowd on a Friday afternoon after Thanksgiving, all jammed up, all lubed up. And it was was really good atmosphere. Bruins get down to nothing. Penalty kills becoming an issue. Five goals allowed on the power play uh, for the opponent in the last two games. But a second period back and forth involved. Involving McAvoy. I don't know if it was Kakanyemi. It was uh, Svechnikov. Svechnikov, yeah. yeah. Back and forth. Svechnikov kind of looks back at the ref and that type of thing. And then McAvoy hits someone just inside the blue line to finish it off. And it just seemed like that got the blood flowing. And yeah. From there, more physical play from Greer and from Coyle. And it just seemed like the crowd was starting to get a little more you know, a little more into it and the Bruins a little more pissed off. And that's kind of how they needed to play the rest of the way. Bruins get the equalizer after a no goal call is overturned. It's the right call as Felino's pushed into the goaltender. He Tracy still scores it. Yeah. He still did everything he could to avoid he the did. goaltender. Like he barely touched the guy. Like yeah. he, you could see his skate blade was even tilted kind of back towards away from the goalie to kind of lock his foot there. So he wouldn't yeah. get pushed so back into him. Back. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he did everything he possibly could to avoid that. So uh, it was good in the end that they ended up making the right call. It was because he, he actually came around the front, not in the blue, right. around the front, purposely went enough space around mm-hmm. to stay away, just in case, the, even if the goaltender came out to the line, right. he wouldn't have hit him. Yep. And then and then he gets kind of shoved back. And like you said, he didn't just let himself go. It was a real close, even 
even if there wasn't much contact with the defenseman, still a ticky tack kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. But in this case, he pushed him in. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was just, you know, and then of course, Brenda Moore, who, who just loves to bitch and moan and play the officials, thought he was just incredulous by the whole thing. I don't know how you couldn't, you know, and it took four minutes to come to that decision. Well, it's I because those guys, those referees, I, I mean, we can get into it a little bit later, but Chris Rooney, a uh, South Boston guy, goes out of his way. We've talked about this before. Goes out of sure. his way to prove he's not a Boston homer. And, and and just, it seems like whenever he's on the ice, the calls don't really go the Bruins' way most of the time. It seemed like uh, after that kind of, uh, after that play, they kind of started calling more uh, penalties on Carolina like oh we really fucked this up we gotta yeah. we gotta kind of even it out now a little bit uh, and then Francois Chiron is kind of the same way I, I don't know if he's like a Montreal guy or something but he see, he seems yeah. to have it out for the Bruins too they don't really get uh, the benefit of the doubt when he's out there either so having yeah. that pair out there uh, certainly didn't do the Bruins any favors uh, but they overcame it and uh, it was nice to see them uh, get a get a good win against a real real tough opponent yeah Sure. Best crowd of the season. Uh, first team in NHL history to start the season. 12-0 and at home. They're 18-3 and overall. There's just a lot to love about this team. It's Absolutely. Highly entertaining hockey. Mm-hmm. They play together. They are resilient as hell. I mean, it's just, you. it's hard to find any real negatives. And we'll get into a couple of the negatives later. But it's hard to be a true Bruins skeptical, pessimistic asshole Bruins fan with this team. <laughs> yeah. Because you sound more rom- moronic than you would. Yeah. Uh, by saying anything bad about the team. That's They're right. It's really, really good. That's right. Um, okay, Seven Chirps, sponsored by Lops Brewing, Lobster Brewing and Tasting Room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can, you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com. Follow them on social media at Lops Brewing for new beers and events and go get some Lops merch. They have a really nice hockey jersey, Lops Brewing jersey. Speaking of yeah. Lops merch, we're going to do a little uh, Lops Brewery. We like to do a little giveaway. They have a really nice uh, Lops hockey long sleeve tee. Uh-huh. that they're going to give away. So we're going to throw it out there on Twitter when this episode drops. Uh-huh. want you to uh, like and retweet the, uh, the episode post, and we're going to mention the giveaway in there. Uh, like and retweet that, and then we are going to pick a winner for the, uh, and we'll read off the winner at the uh, next episode. So you have a week to, uh, to get in on that. And, uh, yeah, can you give away a, a beautiful long-sleeve uh, Lops hockey shirt so yeah they're, they're really they're really nice shirts and uh lops a great place go down to lops and Woonsocket, get some beer yeah do a flight they, do two yeah. flights do a jumbo yeah. flight do two jumbo flights yeah mention this pod get a little discount yeah no. you can sure you know? um all right so chirp number one 1000 points for patrice bergeron your thoughts on the accomplishment as a whole I, it, it's really hard for me to put into words um what I think about Bergeron and that kind of a milestone for him to see that he's done it all with the Bruins first is fantastic. He's kind of the model hockey player, the model person, um, the model captain. He's everything you would want in a guy that is the face of your organization that leads your organization. He does everything the right way. He pays attention to all the small details. Um, He's a fantastic 200 foot hockey player, maybe the best 200 foot hockey player of all time. Though people in Detroit might argue that, but he can make a pretty good case here. 
mm-hmm. I think. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, Jim Montgomery said, if if uh, and maybe Claude Julian as well, if if he had been a little more cheat towards offense, he probably would have twelve hundred by now. But right. because he's been such a reliable defensive force for such a long time uh, and takes care of his own ends, you know, he hits a thousand. Um, but it really a much deserved. Um, you know, honor for him. And, you know, you'll be seeing 37 in the rafters and 37 in the hall of fame when his career is over. Yeah. I mean, leave it to Claude Julian to say that he was more impressed with his prevention of goals <laughs> than his production of goals. Yeah. That's Claude. True, yeah. true and true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Berg, you know, Bergeron, uh, what, what really is impressive to me is, you know, the type of offensive player he became because he wasn't really known as a great offensive player, very good defensive forward, yeah. great center, ice, you know, face-off man, um, penalty killer and all of that. Was a pretty, you know, decent offense that would give you enough. But then, and some of it is due to the fact that he developed such a good relationship with Brad Marchand. I think that helped him as an offensive player. Sure. Uh, he also was really, his work tirelessly on those, on those bumper you yeah. know, shots and bumper Tips shot on is a one whole. time, yeah. You know, he's uh, accurate. You know, he's a very accurate shooter. And, um, you know, that has helped him to become an even better offensive player than I even thought he'd be. Uh, but a tremendous leader, incredibly respected around the league. I mean, so many people on the on the video, mm-hmm. you know, heavy hitters in the game, um, congratulating him, having tremendous respect for him. And, you know, he goes down, and we'll talk about this uh, in a little bit here in a couple of more uh, chirps, but... You know, start thinking about your Mount Rushmore of Bruins players in history. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he might kind of sneak in there, if especially if he finishes out this year, plays another year. I mean, then you start to get into some really big, big numbers, uh, not only defensively, but offensively. Of course, the five Selkies. I mean, he's just been – and he could have won eight or nine Selkies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was second place three or four times. He was yeah. third place another couple times. I mean, so he's just a tremendous hockey player and the, a model hockey player, one that you can't replace. No. And that's going to be kind of similar to Tom Brady. You're, you're going to be a little spoiled as a Bruins fan to always kind of have Bergeron there for you. You yeah. know, and that's, oh, yeah. that's what's going to, you're going to have to get past. Um, so on, uh, on a chirp number two, while appearing on Chris Nyland's Raw Knuckles podcast, Ken Hughes revealed details about the discussions he had with Patrice Bergeron during his contract negotiations in 2014 when he was his agent in Boston. Patrice says, so how much do you think I'm worth? Kent says, you're worth $9.5 million, Patrice, but how did I become a $9.5 million player? So Kent says, in my opinion, you are better than Getzloff, who signed for $8.25 million, and there is a team not far from here that is desperately looking for a first-line center, your number one rival team, the Montreal Canadiens. So Patrice says, yeah, but if I make that much money, we'll never win. And I want to win. I want six and a half million. I mean, that just says it, that just says it all. I mean, yes. that just says it all. Um, he kind of did the Tom Brady thing where he's like, I want, I'll take less money if you surround me with good players and we win, you know, championships. He wanted to win championships. Uh, he hasn't since then, and that's kind of a shame. Uh, you know, they went to the cup finals in, you know, 1819 or whatever it was there. Uh, 19, 1920, 1819. 18, 18, uh, 1819 was a yeah. cup final. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it hasn't really worked out as well, but Brad Marchand in, the, in that same article, um, 
you know, was they were talking about, you know, other players having the, you know, that's great that you're doing this, but other players will have to follow your lead. And Marchand <clears throat> signed for under what Bergeron was making. And he says, as long as Bergeron's on the team, I don't, I don't want to make more than him. Right. So, so that's, you know, that's the tone, sets the know, tone. And yeah. then Pasternak kind of took yeah. a below market too. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, he kind of set the tone for that organization to be really good for, for a number of years. So it's really just a testament to him as a, as a hockey player and a leader. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, and just uh, one of the real greats. All right. Uh, question number three, here it is. Who is on your Bruins Mount Rushmore? All right. So, um, are we going uh, just best players overall? Best players overall. All right, four so, guys. So, so Orr's got to be on there. Bork's yep. got to be on there. Yeah. Uh, and then to me, I didn't really see either one of these guys play. Uh, Esposito and Busick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm putting Busick on because he was a lifelong Bruins guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going Bergeron because I've seen Bergeron and, and he's, you know, he's probably the best defensive forward of all time. So I'm throwing him on there. Yeah, I'm going the same. I mean, I'm with you on Busick because he was a life, you know, pretty much a lifelong. I think he started with St. Louis for like a year yeah, or something. Yeah. But he was pretty much a lifelong Bruin. Ton, I mean, huge numbers. Yeah. Espo, great player, huge numbers. But yeah. known almost as much for his Rangers than than um, than Boston. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I really like, uh, you know, of course, of course Orr. And I, I really like Bergeron here in the fourth. And I think yeah. he'll solidify that again in another year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he plays really well this year and he plays next year and gets another 60 points or whatever. And then now you're talking about someone who's definitely in that Mount Rushmore. And then you have like, you know, Neely and you have you know, guys like Middleton and, um, you know, some other guys in there that uh, you could you could make a case for. But I think Bergeron slides in there. Uh, for the fourth guy. Uh, all right. Uh, there's some rumors going on about Patrick Kane to the Bruins. Um, there was there was an executive out there who told, uh, I think it was Jimmy Murphy. Uh, I don't know if it was just a guy at the bar who he's called a hockey executive or if it was an actual NHL executive who said that Patrick Kane would be uh, would make a lot of sense to the Bruins. Your thoughts on that? I don't know if he makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> I don't know if that's really your number one need. Um, I think I would love to see Patrick Kane come to the Bruins. I think he would be dynamic, uh, especially on the third line there. If you, you know, if you put Coyle and Hall with, you know, Patrick Kane or DeBrusque. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. You do, you do something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's DeBrusque that goes in the deal. I don't know who, how you would, work that deal out um and who would end up leaving but um yeah i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a huge need i I think i would be more inclined to to go center or you know d like i said before but uh i would i would do it if the price was right absolutely uh and then you know try to figure out the money uh just because i think he would add another dimension to the team you know he's a great passer a great power play guy um you know, unbelievable hands and, and, you know, could make the difference between winning and losing a cup. Yeah. I, you know, there were people on Twitter who said, yeah, you absolutely do it. You're going to go for it. And I've always said like, if you're going to go for it, go for it. But I almost feel like I'm contradicting myself by thinking if you really give up, like Lysel, another prospect, a first round pick, like, you know, are, are you sh- I mean, are you really setting yourself back even further? We've been complaining about the prospect pool and the drafting, and mm-hmm. now you're going to leave yourself bare again. Like, and, and it's not a great time to because you really need to start to 
Valley bring some players. So you, if you do it and you give up that kind of, you know, that kind of, um, you know, trade assets in return, then be prepared to be not that great or not, a, definitely not Stanley Cup contenders for the next three, four years. I mean, just, it's just going to be really hard. You know, it's just, you'll have three or four really great players. So you'll be, pretty good. I just don't think you can fill the rest of the roster um, and turn it rest of the roster over if you take Kane as a rental because I just don't see you you know, signing him. People are saying, well, you know, you just, yeah, you just haven't signed for three or four million. How is, Patrick Kane is not signing for like dollars to donuts here. No. It's just not. Like, I, you can't, you can't just say that because he has to agree to it. And it's going to be a pure rental. And I just don't think Five years ago, yeah, I might be all in on this one. But right now, I just, I don't know. Like, I I almost feel like I can't give up that many assets, especially young ones. Well, yeah, I think I, I mean, I think the price definitely has to be right in my eyes because I think there's, there's other things that you could use um, more that would, especially if you got someone with term back, like if you've got a center back with term, like that to me is the move to make, yeah, uh, especially with, with Bergeron and Krejci, you know, getting towards the end here. Um, yeah. So it, the price has to be right, but I would entertain it for sure. Like sure. I'm, I'm calling them. I'm definitely yeah. calling them. And right. if he wants to force his way to Boston, cause he has a no trade. If he wants to force his way to Boston, like Taylor Hall force his way here and be like, well, then, you know, you, you yeah. give up, you know, you give up a second and you know, Brad Harrison Steve. or something <laughs> right. like, yeah. yeah, sign yeah. me up. Then yeah. <laughs> And yeah, sign me up for that. If you give me a, if you give a, the equivalent of a Bjork in a second rounder, then yeah, yeah. like you, you've absolutely, yeah, I, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. And I'm, and I'm with you on Taves, but I think if you're going to go, you go Bo, Bo Horvat or someone yeah. that you can maybe sign right. and play at center mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the way. Uh, all right, chapter number five. Who has been the biggest surprise for the Bruins up to this point in the season? I think you have to go Lena Salmark. I think you have to okay. go Lena Selmark. I don't think I don't think you would have said going into the year uh that he was gonna have the type of year that he did. Yeah, you know, so far. Mm-hmm. I mean he did get hurt today. Hopefully he's okay. Swimming had mm-hmm. to come in towards the end of the game uh against right. Carolina. So hopefully he's okay. But uh yeah, I mean he's he's been there he's been their best player, I think, and and the biggest surprise. Uh, well, not the best pa- player, but the you know on some nights their best player and and sure. has definitely played kind of above and beyond what Bruins fans were expecting from him going into the season. Sure, he's a big reason why they had such a great power play uh, penalty kill rather yep. for the season. And he's you know top one of your top penalty killers. He's is you know tremendous stats. Um, and again, I, I think Don Sweeney deserves a lot of credit in the scouts for, for seeing something in this guy that was kind of under the radar and people scratching their heads. And now he looking at, you know, a pretty fair contract. So I think that's, I think that's pretty good. Um, I, I say, I say, I'd probably say, you know, like a guy like Clifton has been, I think he's coming back to earth a, t- a little bit Yeah, I thought know, so lately. Uh, I would have said Clifton two weeks ago, maybe um, I would have said Lindholm mm-hmm. as far as the type of production, especially offensively. And the fact that he was carrying them kind of from the defensive end um, with McAvoy out. But now that, you know, that's kind of flattened out a bit. Then I'd say that as far as the entire season, I think I'm with you on, on all mark. I think he's been, he's been really, really good. And, um, 
and hopefully, like you said, he's okay. He kind of took a little rodeo ride there from Clifton yeah. uh, on a scrum in front of the net. So hopefully he's okay. I don't know if it was back or neck or head. It was yeah. a strange. I don't yeah. know. It was awkward. All right. Uh, trip six, who has been the Bruins MVP at the quarter pole of the season? Might have to go same guy. Might might have yeah. to go Allmark. Yeah. Because if you don't right. get the goaltending, um, uh, I think you know you you're certainly not uh, at this point uh, with eighteen and three record. Um, but no. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Jim Montgomery. I think I'm gonna go Jim Montgomery oh, okay. and say he's the MVP right. of the Bruins so far because I think uh, he's really unlocked the production from the back end. They've uh, mm-hmm. the defense has been much much better jumping up into the play. It's given them some more easy outs out of the zone. The transition game's been better. The uh, forecheck has been better. They've been a little more physical. They kind of stick together. And I think that's all stuff that Montgomery has kind of built into them. He's a new voice. Um, so I think all that adds up to, you know, his his uh, coming in to to the team and kind of changing, you know, not not completely overhauling, but changing the way that they do some things has, has certainly helped and, and led to this, um, you know, hot start for them yeah i mean he's it's definitely been a a big change and i think he's like you said just the overall psychology of the team is better obviously they've made some moves where they've increased their depth i think we maybe undervalue the fact that they would have lindholm at the start of the year for the year right you know we'd have zaka in place of Halla. like zaka adds a little more uh, especially offensively than mm-hmm. Holla did. Um, I have to say it's Pasternak is 32 points in 21 games. It's 14 goals. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them big goals, mm-hmm. you know, has a flair for the dramatic, um, you know, it's just it's extremely gifted playing, um, it, it just looks like he's having a ton of fun on the ice. He just has a flair. He's a, he's, you know, he's a, he's a Gila Fleur type of, you know, personality and both on the ice and as far as a, a person, just kind of that showman entertaining value. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's kind of who he is. He has more, slightly more points per game uh, in his uh, career, 534 points, 530 games. So that's, he's, uh, that's know, pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. good. And, and he's also been, um, He's been kind of the the linchpin between kind of some of the older guys on the team and some of the younger guys on the team. He's kind of like the the guy that brings the entire locker room together. Um, and that's kind of a valuable thing to have where, you know, you have some guys with different nationalities, some guys who are, mm-hmm. you know, in their early 20s. He's played with the, you know, some a lot of the veterans on the team. So he kind of brings all those guys um, together and, and and it's a good thing to have. It is. I mean, he, Monty even talked this year about Pasternak's leadership. He, he didn't realize he was quite the leader that he is. They have leaders all up and down the room there. And I think Chara, obviously, can't overestimate the effect that Chara and now Bergeron have on just the culture of the team. I mean, it's just it, they make people better it, with just their presence about them uh, and more professional. And uh, it is, it has helped Pasternak a great deal, uh, especially his professionalism when he plays. Um, all right. And then chirp number seven, a very important question. Uh, favorite Thanksgiving sides. Oh yeah. Here we go. Now, we're, now we're talking some meaningful <laughs> yeah. stuff here. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Hockey podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Number one for me has got to be stuffing. I'm a big stuffing guy. I love stuffing. Okay. Yeah. Stuffing, yeah. dressing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
give me some stuffing, throw the gravy on there. Uh, mm -hmm. big stuffing guy. Um, I like, uh, I like, you know, all sides pretty much, but I'm a, I'm a big squash guy. A lot of people don't like squash. No, no one, okay. no one else in my family likes squash, but, but mm -hmm. I love it. So, uh, I'm a squash guy. And then obviously you got to go, you know, mashed potatoes. Now, now in the squash, you're going a little brown sugar or nutmeg. Like you get a little doctored up a little bit. You're just going like a stick of butter. Or what, what well, yeah, squash? so I'm going, but I'll go butter, salt and pepper. So we do a, we do a sweet potato casserole that has brown sugar and marshmallow on it. That is oh, Jesus. fucking yeah. tremendous. So <laughs> right. that's a, that's right. a whole nother thing. That's a 10 beller. Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. thing. So that's a, yeah. you know, that's a, that's another side too that, you know, you can load me up with that. Um, but just, yeah, straight squash, butter, salt, and pepper. Love it. Um, okay. we do a spicy green bean thing too. That's, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. A little garlic mm -hmm. and soy sauce on that. Uh, okay. so Jesus. yeah, we, yeah, we, we don't skimp Outside on the sides. The yeah. We don't yeah. skimp on the sides. Um, do, you know. I, I like stuffing. I, I like the homemade better than the, the stovetop variety. Yeah. Um, stuff the turkey. Sure. Good, good stuffing with some bell seasoning and so forth. Oh yeah. Um, I like that. I love, I'll tell you what, I love a good little plate of, of, of creamed onions. You know, the little pearl onions with the heavy cream sauce. I'm all about the creamed onions. Okay. Um, my aunt, God rest her soul, used to make uh, Delmonico potatoes with like the breadcrumbs on top. Oh, like yeah. Scalloped potato with yeah. onions and cheese kind of thing sure. that I used to love immensely. Uh, and of course, uh, if you get a really good red bis red bliss potato, mashed potatoes, you know, put a little, you know, put a little half and half in there, a little sour cream, like, yeah. you know, really whip those bad boys up. That's pretty Pretty goddamn good too. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think the sides are where it's at. And I'll say this about the squash: I love squash too. And I have decided this year we went squash and turnip, and I mixed them up together. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Really pretty good. We mix yeah. we mix turnip and cooked carrots sometimes too. That's good yeah. too. Turnip, I never liked. Smelled like a fart. Tastes like a fart. All that stuff. Now I love it as an adult. It's just, it's just something. Because now, you. as an adult, you love to eat farts. Is that what you're saying? Like, I eat farts now. It's just like uh, it's not a fetish or any type. It's just I like turnip. Uh, okay. So all right, let's get to uh, let's get to the. Yeah. That's a great segue into beauties this week and uh, beauty uh, number one. I'm sorry, number three is uh, Charlie McAvoy. I'm gonna love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Uh, Charlie McAvoy with a four assist night versus Chicago. Uh, better than a point per game so far this year. Orr and Bork are only, the only two defensemen in Bruins history to get 10 points in a season in fewer games than McAvoy has this year. Interesting stat. Yeah. I was... think offensively, the Monty, the Monty effect is going to help him. Yeah, absolutely. The Monty effect will help him. Uh, or uh, for, for the top... Uh, you know, six or whatever, and then Bork and then McAvoy. Um, mm. I would have thought Bork would have been on there, you know, a few more times, but uh, yeah. to see or uh, littered uh, with uh, positions there at the top, uh, not a big surprise mm. really, no, to anyone. No, no, no. <laughs> Bork, Bork had like 1,500 points or something. Yeah, he absurd. did. Yeah. As he a did. defenseman. As a defenseman. I mean, that's, you know, when I think of Ray Bork, and I think a lot of people do, you think of like a, you know, a brick wall type defenseman, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, just durable is all get out. Yeah. Like just he's, you know, and I, and I liken McAvoy to him some because he's, he's built like that fire hydrant kind of guy mm -hmm. and, and uh, really tough defensively. But Bork was really dynamic offensively when guys like Paul Coffey and, and other guys got more credit for that. 
I thought, and, you know, it, while he was playing. And not really considered as dynamic an offensive player as he really was. Yeah, I, I feel like um, he he is underlooked in that way just because, you know, Coffee played with some of those great Oilers teams, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and there were guys who were more offensive minded, like Brian Leach and stuff, who got mm-hmm. some some credit. Uh, that was more towards his uh, the end of Bork's career, but... Um, right. Yeah. Some of those yeah, guys, and yeah, yeah those guys like you know, yeah. got a little bit more of the offensive uh, credit. Bork was more like McAvoy in that he's he's, uh, you know, a 200 foot defenseman. He, he's mm-hmm. great, great in his own zone, but also um, can put up the points. And obviously he's a more top ta- ta- uh, talented offensive player than McAvoy is at this point, especially. Right. Sure. But, oh, but sure. uh, um, yeah, you know, similar in the in the way they play the game. No doubt. Uh, beauty number two, David Krejci. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. Krejci is uh, scalding hot of late. Six goals, two assists for eight points in his last five games. He's had two two goal games in the last three. Yep. I believe Browning running back into form after a slow start, coming back from an injury, and uh, his plus minus getting better, um, and just really starting to get into a rhythm. And you can just see the the effect. I, I would argue anyone. I mean, people argue the Monty thing, and I and I grant that. I would argue anyone that Krejci. Was the number one reason that everything kind of everything else kind of falls into place, and it just lends to the depth of the team, and it just creates more balance for the team as a whole. Krejci is the number one difference maker when it comes to that effect on the team. I would agree with you. I think um, you know there's been times, obviously, he's been the best forward on the team. I mean, their their cup run, he was fantastic. Uh, if Thomas wasn't you know, stealing the show, you know, Krejci mm-hmm. might win cons might that year. I mean, he was that sure. good. Uh, yeah. The year that he got knocked out with the broken wrists uh, up three yeah, Oh against, four. against, yeah. uh, against Philly. He was having a fantastic playoff up to that yeah. point too. He's just, he's really dynamic offensively. And when he's going um, the rest of the team kind of, tends to go with him and he makes a huge difference on the power play he's such a great passer that um he you know he he kind of looks to do that a little too much for my liking his shot is lethal and uh with the six goals in the last handful of games here he's starting to use it more i mean you saw it the other night just comes down on the wing and blasts the slap shot by vasilevsky who is a fantastic goaltender you know top three goaltender in the league and just bombs it by him like it was the early 1980s when the goalies were wearing, yeah. you know, matchsticks on their legs for pads. Yeah. Just yeah. beats him uh, cleanly, you know, top uh, top corner. So he has an unbelievable shot, and he and he really should use it more. And, and hopefully with um, Pasternak and, and uh, Zaka kind of rounding it to form a little bit, Zaka especially rounding it to form here, he'll get some more chances to use that shot and, uh, you know, generate some more offense for the Bruins. Yeah, and it, today's two goals. I mean, that the first goal he had it was a great pass, but then you know he's got to pick that spot up yeah. top, and then and then the seeing eye shot when Felino with Felino in front, like mm-hmm. he's he can he can score, but he's such a gifted playmaker. Believe me, if if I was him, I'd love to drop dimes all day. Too. Oh yeah, like I get it, like, yeah. I get it. But but yeah, when he's when he's shooting, he's very effective. Uh, all right, and then number one beauty, Patrice Bergeron. Gonna love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. 1,000 points, future Hall of Famer. Uh, like you said, probably a Mount Rushmore player here with the Boston Bruins. And hopefully he comes back for another year. I hope so. 
I hope so. And I think every all Bruins fans hope so because uh, it's going to be a large void when when 37 decides to, to hang it up. So uh, Bruins fans should absolutely 100% savor this, soak it all in while mm. while uh, 37 still playing. Don't take don't take him for granted because when he's gone, you're mm-hmm. going to wish he was back. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, so soak this all in and, and enjoy it. And it was a great milestone for a, for a future Hall of Famer. Without a doubt. Um, all right. So now time for the benders of the week. Yeah, the, the benders. Uh, number three, we're going to go with the Chicago Blackhawks. Ah, a bender. Ah, uh, wow. Oh, just just wow! That, they looked like an AHL team. Is that what is it? What is the AHL team? The Chicago Wolves or something? Uh, no, it's the Chi- is it the is it? I think the it's the, they, they the might be the Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so Wolves. Uh, yeah. maybe you could switch rosters, and the Wolves maybe. would have a little more luck at the NHL level. Might, might I don't know more fire. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That was that was terrible. That was terrible. That was that was awful. Uh, number two, we're gonna go with the NHL officiating. Ah, the bender. No, nope, ah. I'm tell you what. Nobody likes to disallow goals, disallow points, just completely shun offense than the National Hockey League. I mean, they're so quick to wave their arms with any whiff of anybody in front of the goaltender. It's uncanny. Why, as a league that needs all the goals they can get, they have an entertaining team in the Bruins that's buzzing around. That place today was lit up. That's the type of hockey people want to see. If you play that style hockey then the ratings will go up more regions will want to play it mm-hmm. and that's the type of hockey that you want on the television screen and then they, they they immediately wave off goals whenever they can i said this right before we come on the air i would never disallow a goal i would let all the goals go in and then if you have to go review it then just review it and say no goal like never Wave your arms. Never call it off. It's in the net. Okay, let's go to see the film. See what happened. I'm, I'm then, with you. You know, I, I just don't, don't, especially when you're behind the net, you have no idea what's going on. Those officials behind the net, it's really hard to see what's going sure on in front is. of the net. It, it absolutely is. Why are you just waving your arms? No doubt, no question about it. So when it comes to the NFL and the catches and the NHL and the disallowed goals, I want to I lose my mind. I want to throw things at the television. It's just unnecessary. They 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 really shouldn't wave anything off. They really shouldn't. They should just Nothing. they should they should just I, I mean I've said it before. I should I would let guys kick the puck in. If yeah. if you can kick the puck in, good on you. Kick it in. Yeah. If you Why can else? if you can bat it above your above the above the crossbar into the net, sure. Count yeah, count it. It's in. Good, yeah. good if play. Guy in the face, then if, it's a penalty, which yeah. it should be. If you're, a, if you, if your hand eye can like the knocking the puck down above your head, above your shoulders, sh- it should not be, should not be uh, a stoppage. It should be yeah. like, wow, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he yeah, knocked it down play. above his shoulders. Yeah. Great play. Yeah. They great should play. not take those goals away. No, and count no, more no. goals. Like I said, kick it in. Throw it in. I mean, not throw it in, but <laughs> but if you yeah. can bat it in from above the crossbar height, do that. Like that's yeah. a that's a great play. I, I just yeah. I just don't understand it. I never will. Um, the 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 league as a whole needs goals. It always has. It makes for more entertaining um, hockey. It's just like football with with all the defensive rule changes to allow the offense to basically play seven on seven. It, you know, it makes the product more entertaining. That's what you want. That's what people want to watch. They don't want to watch zero zero games, Claude right. Julian. Right. They want to watch games like the like the eighties Oilers games that was seven six or five four. That's what they want to see. Goals. Right. 
goals and right. fights, but you took that away from people. So give them the goals at least. Why would why why did everyone in the seventies start playing hockey? Why were there rinks going off all over the Massachusetts and New England? Because Bobby Orr was a dynamic, entertaining hockey player. Yeah, that's what got kids wanted to do. There were kids. I'll tell you what. I took a walk around the old neighborhood Thanksgiving Day. I'm just walking around. Really beautiful day, fifty degrees or so. Walking around, there were six different driveways with with street hockey being played in the yard in the driveway on the street, six different groups of kids in the neighborhood playing hockey. Why? Because the Bruins are 18 and three playing an entertaining style of hockey. There you go. If they were three and 18 and it was a, it was a fucking fart out there. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be as excited about hockey. (laughs) They wouldn't. This is the type of team that makes people excited. So more kids are going to be signing up for hockey in a couple of years. You watch, you watch this. There's going to be and Bergeron and you watch, you watch, you will. Yeah, if they, tell you what, if this that kind of that was the wave of of what started the wave of those a bunch of Massachusetts kids getting drafted into the NHL was that you know ten uh, eleven Cup team, like those kids joined hockey because that team was good. Then they grew up, you know, and then you know you get to 10, 12 years later, you got Matt Boldy, you got a couple other kids, Cole Caulfield's from Massachusetts, yeah. you, uh, not from Massachusetts, but um, U.S. born, you got you know, a couple other guys that were Massachusetts kids that, yeah. you know, went to play uh, college hockey and got drafted. So there's a, sure. a handful of Massachusetts kids got drafted off of the success of the Bruins from, you know, a ways back, yeah. and it's going to happen it, again. It, 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 it matters for your sport. Mm-hmm. It 100% matters. And to take away goals is just, it's just infuriating to That's me. Terrible. It always has been. Um, all right. And uh, bender number one, go ahead. Bender number one is the Bruins discipline. I'm a bender. Uh, they've given up the sh- third most shorthanded chances as a team. 77 times Wow, they've been shorthanded. Um, that is a problem. Uh, especially uh, lately when your penalty kill hasn't been up to the challenge and you've given up, um, you know, I think they said 10 power play goals in like the last, you know, handful of games uh, and five in the last two. So, um, you know, that's something I would say right now is the biggest obstacle in the way of the Bruins really. uh, I mean, they are 18 and three, so it's a nitpick. But that's yep. something they really, really, really are going to need to clean up, especially come playoff time when power plays mm-hmm. are really mm-hmm. a make-or-break, um, yep. you know, situation in the playoffs. You can't take undisciplined penalties yep. uh, and get away with it against good teams. You you just no. can't. So uh, they really that's really something that they need to to clean up uh, going forward. If you're one of the best five on five teams in the league, you want to play five on five. Yeah. Like you want to play five on five. Uh, and you can't be in, like you said, in the box in the playoffs, a power play goal, bad, a bad penalty decides games, side series. And you don't, it, it, it's a momentum shifter in a series. Like there's a lot to going on there. You don't want to do that. And that's almost four a game. And that's a lot. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of penalties, a lot of penalty kill. And I think part of the reason for the, for the penalty killing, not being as good as it was, and it was dominant early number one in the league 
was one, Derek Forbord is out. It's probably your best, you know, defenseman when it comes to with McAvoy when it comes to penalty killing. And then the other thing is you're just shorthanded too much. Yeah, you're wearing the guys out. You're going to give up goal. Like today, no sick, clear opportunity to clear it. Little little lazy, little, you know, I'm just going to flip it out thing. Nope. Kept in a great keep in yeah. goal in the net. Yep. Like you can't do that. You got to be hard on pucks. You got to, and I think just overuse is maybe part of the problem with the penalty killing problems. Um, all right. Bruins Bender's power rankings for this uh, week. And number seven, Seattle Kraken jump back into the uh, top seven. They are eight, one and one in their last 10. Wow. Kraken. Kraken. Yeah. Can you name five Kraken? Five? No. 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 Carson Coleman, Ryan Donato. <laughs> any Carson Coleman, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Donato, the, uh, Jordan Everly, Maddie Veneers, and uh, Peter Salark on that team. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maddie Veneers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, boy, pretty. I mean, geez, pretty good though. Somehow they're eight one and one in the last ten. Yep. Uh, number six, New York Islanders. They drop a spot to thirteen and eight overall. Uh, number five, a sneaky good team, uh, new to the top seven. Twelve five and three, Dallas Stars. Yeah, Dallas is good. They have uh, good. Jason Robinson yeah. is a great young, uh, great yeah. young forward. They have great goaltending and yeah. and Jake Ottinger. So yeah, that's a that's going to be a tough team and a tough out in the West for sure. And they were one of the teams in this twelve game stretch of, of wins at home for Boston that gave Boston one of their toughest games. Yeah. earlier on in the season, mm-hmm. so they're they're a pretty good team. Uh, number four, Toronto Maple Leafs jump up two spots. They're eleven five and five. They beat New Jersey, broke their thirteen game winning streak the other night, two to one. Uh, number three is the Vegas. Vegas Golden Knights and Bruce Cassidy at 15, 4 and 1, best team in the West. Uh, number two, the New Jersey Devils did win 13 in a row before losing to the Leafs. They're 16 and 4. Did you did overall. you see did you see the uh, the Jersey they in that game that they lost two to one, they had three oh. goals disallowed. Yes. Well, there you go. And there you go. And, I'm tagging the I'm tagging the Devils on this on this episode. You absolutely you should. My pain. Yeah. Uh yeah. NHL officiating, the Devils definitely feel the pain there. Uh yeah, three goals disallowed and then the fans just littered the ice yes. with uh with garbage uh because they thought that the refs and the garbage would feel, you know, close. Yeah. And then Sheldon Keefe is kind of a, becoming a canoe of sorts, uh, you know, was blaming, you know, was saying, you know, you know, the devil's fans and it was horrible. And of course you don't want to throw anything on the ice. No, you shouldn't throw things. Three horrific disallowed goals. And it was horrific. And then there was an allowed goal against them. That was just as bad as the others. Well, so they, was, you know. so the first one, the first one, actually, we'll, well, we should, I, th- I probably reposted it, uh, retweeted as a, as a Bender's account, but the first one, they, they reviewed it. They called it a goal. And then the referee, after he comes back from review, calls it a goal and then calls it no goal. So he even twists the knife even more oh, <laughs> because he, he said it wrong when he announced it. Yeah. Oh, my God. If I was the Devil's no fans, I, I mean, probably no would have been throwing stuff on the ice, too, oh, even though geez. we should not condone this at all. No, we don't. Don't we do don't it. Don't at all. But my God, that's that's infuriating, and I get it. Yeah. Um. So there are your and then uh, number one, Boston Bruins, eighteen and three, twelve and zero at home to start the season. Best uh best ever, uh, NHL hockey history. There's no team to go twelve and zero at home to start the season, uh, and the Bruins are rolling right along. Yeah, and so now we'll jump into the uh, Bruins Benders Power Less rankings. And coming in at number 30, the Ottawa Senators, who have been struggling mightily since losing Josh Norris. 
Mm, they really have. I mean, they, they, you know, are young. They have dynamic. We saw them early on. They beat mm-hmm. the Bruins. One they of did. The three, one of the three losses. Yeah. So the Ottawa they scored seven goals against the Bruins. Like they, they did. look like dynamic offensive team that has some defensive struggles and so forth. But, but a team that was the expectations were kind of high. For they them, were, and they just uh, have been uh, a wet fart. <laughs> they have the farts again. <laughs> it's all about the farts today. <laughs> right. Feeling a little gassy after Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, number thirty-one. Uh, the Chicago uh, Wolves, <laughs> Blackhawks, <laughs> uh, playing like an AHL team. So uh, yeah, that uh, they come in at number thirty-one uh, in the powerless rankings because that was uh, terrible. And if this particular team wasn't in the NHL, Chicago would have been thirty-two. But this team is in the NHL, and they have been for a long team. So coming in at number 32, yo, Montreal Canadiens. Dead last uh, and mediocre. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure what their record is. We don't look. Any, we don't look anymore what their record is. No, I don't. I haven't paid any attention to the Montreal Canadiens at all. They're uh, 18th overall, so they're 10, 9, and 1. You know, just like you said, mediocre. Mediocre. You know, just mediocre, pedestrian, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have it. Uh, Bruins poll this week, touching on the Patrick Kane situation with Boston. Would you want the Bruins to trade for Blackhawks forward Patrick Kane? Yes, 52%. No, 48%. That was right down the middle. Yeah. That was that's... right. There's people out there who say, let's try to win it this year at all costs. And there's other people out there who say, no, he's, he's, he's you know, where's he going to play with something I saw? Which, in essence, Jake DeBrusque is kind of, you know, when you come to points and, and um, you know, predictions of points, he and DeBrusque are kind of right there side by side. I mean, he hasn't been, a you know, an overly productive offensive player, Kane. He's 34. Like, but I think with this team... You know, with this team, he would be, he would, yeah, I mean, with this team, he would be rejuvenated, I think. He would. Kane Kane would be rejuvenated. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, to me, it's for for the right price. If you can get him for the right price, if you can get him, uh, you know, to force his way to Boston, like, like Hall did, then absolutely. It's something you uh, consider. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, I think you, you look to trade for something in a different area of need. Yeah. And I, and I think so too. And I think that um, Kane would be great. I just, I don't know if I want to give up all the assets because then your future is uh, a little grim, especially at center. Uh, all right. Uh, prospect spotlight this week, Matt Poitras, who was a second round pick in 2022 of the Boston Bruins, 54th overall. He won the OHL Ontario hockey league player of the week award. He had back to back four point games. Wow. He had uh, six goals and I think it was six goals, two assists and eight games there. And uh, was dynamic. He's had a couple of slew footing incidents. Yeah. So you're getting the whole package there with yeah. Matthew. Yeah, maybe maybe and, you're getting uh, a little bit of Brad Marchand in him. Yeah. You know? I'll tell you what. My prediction or my analysis, evaluation of him early on of Mike Ribeiro is, is coming true. Okay. He's like 5'11", 170. Ribeiro was a tiny center yeah. who was kind of a pain in the ass. He was a pain. Know? He was a huge pain in the ass and yeah. he was, and, and he, he was dirty like... and he was, <laughs> yeah. and, but he was effective and he had yeah. a, he had a pretty long NHL career, yeah. um, you know, and played some for some really good teams. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, if he wants to be Mike Mike Ribeiro, (laughs) if he wants to be Mike Ribeiro without the suspensions uh, and just walk that line, Mm -hmm. I'm in. Sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah. I mean, this is the second uh, year with the Guelph Storm Mm of the OHL. He's 18 years old. So, you know, he'll be back at rookie development camp, I would assume, next year. Mm -hmm. Probably go another OHL year, I would assume. But uh, coming down the pipeline, you know, keep an eye on Matthew Poitras. He's got some skill offensively. He's won 102 faceoffs this year. Okay. Um, So he's a good centerman with skill. And he's kind of pesky, pesty. You know, he's kind of gritty, kind of, you know, just kind of. You know, under your skin. I think the more sources. guys, I think the more competitive, under your skin, nasty guys you have on your team, the better off you'll be. I mean, and granted, they have to have talent. You just can't have a bunch of assholes. <laughs> but but if you have right. guys on your team that are competitive and a little bit, like Sidney Crosby is sneaky, like borderline dirty competitive. Like he's yes. a he's a very competitive guy and he'll give you the hack and the whack and the, you know, hook to the hands and, you know, the sneaky cross check to give himself some space. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the, I'm not comparing him to Sidney Crosby. I'm just saying sure, like right. you, you want guys like that on your team that are going to sure. compete and battle and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, stick their nose in there, especially if you're, you know, a little bit on the smaller end, you, you got to yeah. get to the greasy areas to score goals. You do, you do, and uh, you look at a guy like Martian who's not super big, yeah. and he's uh, you know you know gritty and competitive as all hell, like, yeah. and that's something that in the scouting report for Poitras when they drafted him, very competitive, and you're seeing that this year. Uh, all right, week ahead for the Bruins, one game Tuesday. They're off until Tuesday, November 29th. They will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in a rematch at the Garden at 7 p.m. Go to InsideTheRink.com. For Bruins Benders merchandise, it's uh, Christmas time. Uh, and uh, you can also get, uh, I think, was it today that was 20% off Black Friday, I think it was, on uh, InsideTheRink.com merch. Absolutely so you go is. Ahead and do that. Uh, you can do that. Uh, follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or on YouTube and TikTok. Uh, download the Inside the Rink app, and you, su- you can subscribe to get alerts on your favorite team. Uh, to, for any articles that come up, you'll get an alert on the phone. Uh, and on TikTok or at Bruins Brenders Podcast. Please rate and review on Apple. Subscribe and follow on the podcast platforms and sign up for ESPN Plus at uh, insidetherink.com forward slash ESPN. That'll do it for this episode of the Bruins Brenders Podcast. We appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week and go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.